Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to The Price of Football, the show that follows the money behind the beautiful game. I'm Kevin Day, and the brains of the outfit, of course, is football finance expert Kieran Maguire. Kieran, hello. I'm very good, thank you, Kevin. I didn't ask you, I said hello. You feel feel free to answer any questions. You are the brains of the outfit, it turns (laughs) out. Looking forward to Silas Park on Monday night, the big... Oh yeah, yeah. Some of be in European football. Uh, some of our top boys will be, and some of your top boys will be there as well, no doubt. <laughs> I think most of our top boys are still banged up after the last time we played each other. <laughs> uh, coming up on the Price of Football, we're joined by an actual football scout, which is very exciting, to tell us how it works and what it costs. Plus, the latest at Macclesfield and Bolton, neither of which is good news, unfortunately. Fresh scandal at the FA of Ireland, which my extended family are obviously very interested in. And was Amazon amazing? To paraphrase. Gary Lineker's terrible joke. I used to write for Gary Lineker. Uh, I used Did to write you? his ad libs on a lot of things. Uh, and then, then he took the stabilisers off his bike and off he went writing his own. The trouble is, when he does his terrible ad libs, I get tweets from friends going, Did you write that? I no, made it up. Uh, first, I'm very pleased. Darren Robinson has joined us. Hello, Darren. How are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Thanks now, you for the were, invite. You were former head of recruitment at Birmingham City. Correct. Forest yeah. and yeah. Hull and Huddersfield, you also worked at. You worked for the FA. Yeah. And now uh, you set up a thing called iScout. It's, it's, it's all a long way from the traditional image that our generation has of, of a, a taciturn, miserable old man sitting at a non-league ground writing stuff on a notebook, isn't it? Yeah, it's, well, it's not necessarily changed that much. Um, there are still examples of the old-fashioned scouting that's taken place, but um, the transfer market and recruitment of players has become uh, an industry within the industry. And, you know, invariably we've we've recognised something having been in a club situ about certain gaps within the market that we feel, or certainly from a personal point of view now, it's time to try and try and turn my hand to something a bit different. How much do clubs spend on scouting and is it enough? Uh, we're hugely, hugely varied and actually too much. Oh, really? Yeah, for, for me... The, I wasn't the, expecting that. Either. Yeah, the, 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 the industry's broken. So 99% of scouting trips lead to a no. So our disruptive model is to say, why are you wasting all that money on sending scouts outsource? It's like a Netflix model, really. So, so we're going for a subscription-based model to help the clubs to gather information rather than just sending the scouts randomly to football matches to come back and go, there was no one there, gaffer. So, and I've been obviously a key stakeholder that's seen that happen firsthand. So scouts are not then going to look at individual players? These, when you say 99% of scouting missions don't, don't yeah, work? Yeah, so, well... We, you know, we can scaffold it up. I think in the first instance, a lot of scouting departments aren't held accountable. Um, that's because, um, you know, the way that the, the volatility and the fragility for a football manager, all he's ever focused on is winning. So who line manages them? 
Is there a connection between the recruitment department and what the manager actually wants? And we're seeing a series now of cottage industries develop, certainly within some of the bigger clubs, where they're building departments and recruitment activities that actually might have a disconnect with the football club. Um, in the lower leagues, and we've experienced this firsthand in meeting and visiting clubs, certainly in League One and League Two, uh, they have no scouting infrastructure at all. At all? At all. Uh, and I think some of the things that we're certainly seeing in social media, I think we've got to be really careful in terms of uh, breaking down the, the, the difference between a myth, marketing, uh, and you know, obviously education, and actually what is really happening. Um, having come out of the, the industry for, for the last two or three years, I've immersed myself very much in the digital tech world in mm. terms of understanding advanced analytics, and actually football is very much in the dark ages in terms of the way that it operates, and it's still very much you know, the, the guy in the stand but even now he's having significantly less influence on getting transfers done because because of the influence of agents. And obviously you've had Jonathan on in previous shows. Yeah, Th- That disconnect you mentioned yeah. earlier on, explain a little bit what you mean by that. Right, so if we go back historically, so if we go back to say the early 90s, from when, or, uh, 2000, so when I, when I started at Coventry, uh, Peter Reid was the gaffer. It was he was the gaffer. He was a manager, and we would you know he would it would be a hierarchical process. So he would have line managed myself as a as a fitness coach at that that period of time. He line managed his assistant manager, and he line managed his chief scout. Now, who line manages the chief scout? Because now we've got sporting directors that are appointed and are held accountable to maybe the board of director or the owner. And actually, we're now seeing the titles head coach. So Graham Potter's role at Brighton would be to be the head coach, possibly. And, and one of my roles at, the in record, the past at other clubs has just been... Just for the record, Darren looked at yeah. Kieran there, because yeah. he's a Brighton fan. Yeah, and, and also, pain. also, just for the record, you may have heard a, a, a hum coming in, because we're in a, a, yeah. a different environment today. We're in the comedy store dressing room, so that's not Kieran humming. It's some kind of air conditioning going on. Sorry to interrupt you, but... Yeah. No, no I, and I think that, that there's been a number of things that have occurred from that, so... We may, we may get onto like the Bolton situation a little bit later yeah, in the show, will. but will, yeah. um, you know, uh, Pete, the key stakeholders at clubs can personally benefit from deals. Um, people can get involved in deals at the expense of the club. So as we've seen at Bolton, I'm not saying there was any to and fro. And although you you gave example of, I think the chairman's son, the chairman's son got 125,000 pounds from the club for something as a scouting fee. I think you I've, mentioned I've, yeah. Mrs. Ince. <laughs> well, that, that was a, that was a derby. Yeah, Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Ince was uh, was was yeah. uh, an academy scout uh, yeah. for on, that, she was on seven hundred grand. Yeah. So I keep my nose clean because you've you've said it. Um, yeah. So so we are now seeing that actually there's that that that, that type of activity is actually occurring. Um, some of the owners have gone. The manager can't pick players. <laughs> All I want him to do is coach. So therefore, they've appointed somebody to actually do that as a, as a role. And then I think also what we've seen in terms of the economical and social change within the game is that in the 90s, we were all signing pretty much on the British Isles. Yeah, now it's become yeah. a global aspect. Yeah. So therefore, the scouting reach and activity has meant that actually it's absolutely impossible for a manager to go and watch that player in Argentina because he's got a job to do on a Saturday. But will a club, say like Palace or Brighton, will they, will they have people on the ground in African countries, in South American countries? Will they have people out there Quite too? likely, yeah. Um, we've, uh, well, Mourinho, for example, I can use him as an example because he went in the press and spoke about his 60 full-time scouts at Manchester United. 60? 60. Full-time? Full-time, right. yeah. Um, I can come back to that in terms of accountabilities. Yeah. Um, there, there's, another, there's, a, there's a club that we're working with in confidence at the minute. They've got 60 full-time. Colombia, Brazil, uh, Brighton obviously recruited from Argentina. Yeah. took McAllister, but put him back out on loan on there. <laughs> um, so, um, 
Yeah, they will have some full-time scouts. Now, what we've experienced even from first-hand is how do you hold those scouts accountable? How do you know if they're actually going to the match? Oh. And, and for example, if you're going to recruit across south of France, it could be a 17-hour drive. What, on 45 PML? Ka-ching! And we are seeing a series of <laughs> expense collector scouts that will do, oh, I do five matches a week. Well, of course you do, mate, because you're on 45 PML and you're trying to get to as many games as you possibly can. And they you're, all leave you're after taking the romance out of this, you know that, don't you? <laughs> all the glamour's going out of this now. You know I, I know. Well, because th- as I say, I think football's broken in that side I, of things. And as Kieran will confirm, I've upset the industry a bit because I keep taking photos of directors' boxes after 76 minutes when all the scouts have gone. Oh. at Sunderland the other week where they've equalised last minute against Coventry and I'm the only scout left. <laughs> really? Well, I, I want to talk to you a little bit about the lower leagues. But before that, how do you square the circle at somewhere like Palace, for example, when we've got a Conservative manager who wants to bring players in who are experienced and therefore 28, 29. You've got a chairman who wants to bring players in who are 23, 24 so he can sell them on. Yeah. You've got a director of football who no one knows in exactly what he's doing but obviously has a different agenda. Who, who's in charge then? Who's, who makes the final decision about players? And is it always financial? Uh, no, it's definitely not all financial but I think that comes into the play. I think if we go into classic sales methodology, is who's got the budget, who's got the authority and is there a need? And I think in terms of what happens, certainly I've experienced it first time, what you're told you're going to do at the start and then when it starts, does it actually happen? And I've definitely experienced that first hand at a championship club. Uh, and also there's a, there, is, there is a prevalence within the clubs that they actually not any job descriptions given to the individuals. There's an assumption. So it's an assumption that you're the gaffer, so you pick the players. But who, the, where's the assumption in terms of who has the final say on on, on, on actually the, the player that comes in. And indeed, you can get the manager resisting a proposition that's been put in from a recruitment department in the same way you can get the recruitment department putting a resistance up to what the manager wants mm. or, or trying to bring in. And then, obviously, we're, we're interested in the... Fi- I mean, I, I could talk football with you all day, but we're that's interested in, in the finances as much as anything. If, if you go and see a player, if a player's recommended, and say, say you go to Fleetwood yep. and you see another Jamie Vardy... Yep. Are you saying to the club, I think this is a good player, but don't pay more than this for him? Or do you, do you just, does your job stop when you, when you recommend a player? Yeah, again, not, not, not avoiding it, it can depend. I think if I was to go to Fleetwood to watch that Jamie Vardy, uh, you'd, you'd know your budget before you go. And can we reach? Uh, the, the mythology of the Jamie Vardy one going into Leicester was that when he was at Fleetwood, everybody was watching him. Oh, okay. That, that wasn't under the radar, really. We, you know, I remember seeing him play at Mansfield in the conference, and every, but everybody knew. The one that was under the radar would have seen him at Sheffield Park, St- uh, Stocksbridge Park Stadium. Yeah. So I think that because of the way that the clubs are, and this is what we're saying as a business, is that why are you going to Everton under-23s when there's 60 clubs there? Free market, open market is already going to dictate that, that source. And actually, somebody like Jonathan, who you've had on the show, is the minute he generates interest from Birmingham, he's on the phone to Leeds. Can he get interest from Leeds? He's then on the phone into the Premiership. So they raise the market price anyway. And that's pretty much the way that the, the agent operates. And to put it in its truest form, an agent's a commission seller. So he's trying to drive up his commissions in terms of, 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 of that player. Interestingly, you brought up Fleetwood, because one of the things that we do is we study transfer habits, uh, demographics and trends. And Joey Barton's recruited a, a team to, to go at it. He hasn't gone for a, any under-21 players, which if we talk about your triple pay, I think coming up in the show is mm. that He's, he's only borrowed one at under-21 level and the rest has been 26, 28-year-olds that can come in and do a job here and now. And all of the clubs never, ever get off that point, even the premiership clubs. So, you know, Burnley, you know, stay up, 4-4-2, British players, boom, we stay on the here and now. 
and don't, you know what are we about as a business? You know, whereas Macclesfield is here and now. Can we get a team out on Saturday? Yeah. So they're not well, doing any scouting at all, are they? Well, while we're at that level, and you you said early on that in the two lower divisions. Some teams have no scout. How do they find players in if they've got no scouting at all? Do they, is it freelance? Are they, yeah, twofold. They one, one could be the manager's network. Um, so, you know, the, the manager may reflect back on the player. Specifically in League Two, it's highly likely, and we've seen this with some of our trends, is that you'll get a decline in athlete. So players 30-31 is dropping down the leagues. So that manager may already know who he is. And, 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 and we know of a National League club that within nine days of the start of the season did it all through agents. Mm-hmm. And my analogy would be when you're buying a house, you know, if you wanted to, to buy a house, would you put your trust in a one estate agent to, to give you the best house proposition? No, you should be doing your research, looking at the schools, looking at the environment, looking at you know, due diligence. And actually we're finding that's not always the case in player recruitment. And the clubs at a lower level who, who are using some sort of scouting system or their own people or regular are they getting paid money these scouts are they getting well again this goes back to the mythology of of you know clubs are using data and big data <laughs> name names right um and i'm serious name names and actually you know let's what we're talking about data because data can be number of appearances so so to so know what you're actually measuring and let's say for example if we do an analogy of the retail industry they're using artificial intelligence to look at your purchasing trends and habits and, and future predictions. That doesn't exist in football. Probably the nearest I think we're seeing is City in Liverpool that's using some AI. So what you'll see in League Two clubs, I know one League Two club is paying their scouts £20 a match. £20? Yeah. So you, you, you'd earn more by working in the bar at the ground. Uh, it, actually, it would be below minimum wage. So, and, and actually, look at, look at his face, know, look at Kerry's face. And I also, so I they don't want to talk football finance. So, so of course... What and they're not getting 45p a mile, presumably, at that level. No, no. So they're, they're, 20 quid. 20 quid, yeah. Uh, we, there's another League 2 club, that, well, two I know, that have got nothing at all. Nothing, no information coming in whatsoever, either on the opposition or actually emerging talent. And that then kicks the fold about, actually, what are you doing as a business? Because surely if you're a League 2 club, you want a 19-year-old playing week in, week out... I've just returned from Norway doing some coach education work there. What's the cup final? And there's two left-backs, oh, sorry, two 20-year-olds playing week in, week out. They're more likely to come over and play in the Premier League than a under-21 at Crystal Palace yeah, yeah, yeah. that's never going to get a game. I want to bring Kieran here because obviously we've got a lot of questions. I'm sure Kieran's got questions for you as well. Kieran, is it possible to quantify at the highest level how much an agent, uh, how much a, a scout does financially for a club in terms of... Uh, you know, compared to bringing players through from the academy, compared to massive transfer deals that are driven by agents, can you put a figure on what a scout might do financially for a club? I don't think you can do it for an individual scout. I think what you can do is look at um, the, the arc of a player's career. What, what did he cost? What did they sell him for? What were his wages? And, and compare that to other clubs of a similar stature. Um, so uh, even, even in the Premier League, because most of the clubs are now losing money in the Premier League, that they are trying to get value. And if you take a look at what has been happening in scouting, every um, every £20 million plus transfer that took place this summer was for a player under 24, I think with the exception of Harry Maguire, who's 26. So, so going, I think you were talking to Darren earlier with regards to the, the, some of the conflicts at Palace, that the manager wants older players, experienced players, the, the, Steve Parrish wants younger players. Well, that's, that's not just Palace. That is practically every club now in the Premier League. You go through that list of of players who are being recruited and it's all these are commodities 
as we've we've discussed that before, who we can move on at a profit. If you then take a look at the loan market, and the loan market's increased substantially over the course of the last five years, what you're tending to see there is is two types. That's going to be the young players who aren't quite good enough for the first team, trying to get them some exposure with, with the opportunity potentially selling them on or the first team players who you've got a new manager's come in doesn't doesn't like the look of him he's 27 28 the player doesn't want to go necessarily because he's on good wages so we've shifted him out to a club mm. in another division so so the scouts are looking at, for, for, at both of those but it's you, you can't you know who, who who discovered trent alexander arnold at liverpool you know whoever did that mm. Was, has done a fantastic job. Whoever, whoever scouted Andrew Robertson and, and, and went to Liverpool and say, look, he's, he's playing for Hull. And, and your first reaction is, well, you know, if, you, if, you, if you'd spoken to a Liverpool fan, you know, I, I work in Liverpool, when they first signed him, why are we signing a fullback from Hull? The scout's done his job. You know, a, a Andrew Robertson's now a £40, £50 million pound, um, fullback. So that, that scout who brings Andrew Robertson to Liverpool yeah. from Hull and then... You've got a player that's probably added fifty million quid to his own transfer value, if not more. Would the scout get anything from that? Would there be a bonus? Would they say thank you for bringing us this, this player? It, it, it depends. I think in some of the bigger clubs that would certainly be, you know, the, the place. If you put a scout on a commission only, then you can just get constant recommendation of rubbish. Just any player because we need to get the commission. Actually, you then become the agent. Uh, right. But but you're right. There's there's no real overall. There's no reward or retention model that's in in place. Um, I almost booted you then with some of the things you were saying because we've started to do that as a business now. So we've we've, we've partnered with Hartree and we're developing an artificial intelligence platform and we're now looking historically at transfer patterns and trends. And one of our customer segments are the agents. So if you've got a 19-year-old that's played 72 league games, what can we project in terms of future mapping for his for his career? With one of the premiership clubs we're working with at the minute, we're actually looking at scouting effectiveness. So how many matches has he gone to? How many recommendations has he made? What's his geographical reach? We're studying flight path reach. So we're trying to disrupt the whole industry, actually, by providing that information of what the clubs actually should really be doing. And I imagine and a lot of the scouts actually, truly, they exist unaccountable. Unaccountable. So I guess you, you can't be popular in the scouting industry because the scouts won't like you coming in and suggesting to clubs that you, there are ways that you can measure their effectiveness. Because well, the yeah, years... Agreed. Uh, some of the older guard, you know, the flat cap guys and yeah. the pencil and paper ones, I mean... You know, very few clubs are on cloud storage. Very few clubs are actually generating database and putting those reports into systems other than what the commercial provider gives in terms of a standard template. Um, but actually, we want to make you look good. So the customers that we've got is we get our reports through to, to you very quickly um, so that you can act and make decisions. But the, the, the information on the, that we give is who makes the decision you do. We don't do the decision-making on who's signed. We're just going to do profiles, analytics, qualitative assessments to help you make a better rounded choice um, so actually it's it's a value add every club wants to improve its scouting network so it, it either wants to go to Croatia and it can't do it in some of the league two instances a manager just wants coverage so we can just you know try and slip in to provide that information in a you know like I say in a, in a Netflix way so my analogy would be you want Game of Thrones no problem at 11 million or pay seven ninety nine a month, you can watch it in the privacy of your own home, pause it when you want, stop it when you want, go to it when you want, and mm. nobody else knows. And that's the model that we're trying to... And it's significantly more cost-effective. Now, this is a, a subject, an awkward subject, that we have touched upon in the pod tangentially sometimes. And that's the, the sort of... Un, not underhand, the backhand, if you like. 
you've heard about a kid in Poland, for example, and you've got three clubs that you know know about this kid in Poland. Are scouts out there talking to the kids' parents, offering them money, offering them trips, uh, offering uh, them cars? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Is that legal, ethical? No, as, as you know, no, it's not. Um, I, I think you're bringing in a bigger and broader issue about governance. So the Premier League at the moment can't seem to get a chief exec in. Uh, and money makes the world go around. So we know that the transfer spends this year were greater than last year, although it's, it's, it's you know, I think it was £1.34 billion last year, but it, it's increased. But it's a few that are doing the most. And actually, one could argue that it's more, effect, more beneficial to some individuals to do an overseas deal than bring a youth player through because there's no transfer fee and there's, there's a less of a negotiation in terms of that player's wage. It could even be arbitrary of... You know, you're an under-23 and you're going into the first-team group. This is our standard wage structure. And as we've seen with examples that Kieran's, you know, eloquently provided in previous weeks mm. is that individuals can benefit with that, particularly with an overseas move. Money can maybe get, get hidden. But ultimately, the loser's the football club. It's, it, the way you describe it, it, it's like scouting isn't fully integrated into the club. It's like you've got the Venn diagram of, of, of it and then somewhere sort of floating around it. Yeah. According to what club? It's yeah. the scouting system. So it, I, 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 I agree with you. So our, our start point at Birmingham was that all our scouts had to watch our 23s and 18s. Uh, so my pathway really into player recruitment was when I was 18 and I got released from Old City. Because if I'd worked it out, they had four centre-halves in contract <laughs> when I started. So I was never going to get taken on, particularly in the days of only one sub. Um, so our start point is is that for every player that bring comes into a football club, you, you're affecting at least two people. Mm-hmm. That's the player that's got the shirt. Maybe the player that's the reserve, but most importantly, the player that's in the pathway. And interestingly, I would argue that two, the two clubs that have benefited from the success of, of actually regulations being placed against them was Birmingham when we were there. Carson Young was in Carson, was in, was in prison. Mm-hmm. We couldn't do anything in the transfer market. Right, we better start bringing the kids through. So Wes Harding got through, Damari Gray got through. So actually, because of the infrastructure, and I would say that that's the case now at Chelsea. Interestingly, Frank might walk, Lampard may walk into more problems because he's got the transfer market spends and he's got some money to go and wag around. So expectation goes up. But suddenly also, back to Kieran's point earlier, the clubs go back to immediacy. Let's go and get the 27, like all the Roy Hodgson, 27-year-old, he's in the team on Saturday, my job's on the line, mate. I haven't got time for him to develop. That's it. And also because part of the scout's job, as you mentioned, is, is to look at opponents yes. for upcoming games, although surprisingly some clubs don't do that at all. No. So would you... Are you paid for that on, a, on an individual match basis, or is that a favour? Is it? No, uh, as we're, work, we're doing, we're doing some um, opposition assessment with a League One club at the minute, um, and we do a mixture of things. Um, you, you're right in what you say in terms of there is now a shift away from live scouting for opposition scouting. So, particularly with Premier League, there's around about seven cameras at the ground. So, you know, Maguire's marking day at a corner, look me head up, and oh, fuck, you've missed two of the runners. <laughs> you can't get that live scouting. You've got to put your hand up, whereas you can. The analyst can pause it, they can rewind it, they can put computers on it. There are a number of systems that go, Shakiri puts the ball in here and Robertson puts the free kicks in there and the computer systems can do that far better than the human element. And we've recognised that as a business. However, at the minute you can't manage emotion. So for all the scouts that had gone at the stadium alike when I was still there, the crowd are on the back and, and, and at the moment data cannot measure that. You know, who leads, who cajoles, who's the, who's, you know, the influencer, who tracks runners, who passes on. So we'll, we'll actually look on that side of things. And, and similarly, 
what a lot of the commercial providers do with the video provision that they do is that they'll, it's a broadcast feed, so they're missing critical information. So, you, you know, you may miss shape change, and we study that. You know, they started 4231, finished at 442 or 451. So we're providing our client club closure strategies. So in other words, if you're winning, this is how they're going to close the game. If they're losing, this is how they're going to close the game. So they can come up with a contingency. But if, th- you're, if you're up the road after 76 minutes, you're not able to do that, are you? D- does a scout get involved in personal details, character details? Are you assessing a player's character, or is it purely their technical ability? Again, not, not, not like Kieran when you asked him the first question and he didn't answer it. I, <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, you can do. And I think that in a, where the UK market favours that, like, for example, when we took Shea Adams, Shea come from Ilkeston, which is nine miles away from where I live. You can get on the phone, you can have a ring around. And we know, for us, the fourth most important uh, key pillar stone in signing a player was, was ability. The first one was character. The fourth was the ability. The fourth, yeah, yeah. But why go measure that? Because so, uh, the first thing is, is character and cultural fit, which would be the same for you with an audition, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you, is it going to get... I don't audition. <laughs> Thank, oh, you. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's it's the, I've had an extra... Yeah, the, so, the fourth is ability. Yeah, for us. But, 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 uh, so what... I believe Fulham, for example, and Brentford may operate a statistical model. So theirs would be more KPI and objective room. So that could be number one. But with Gary Rower and my own personal philosophies, it was character. Can you come into, you know, you want, one of the big things in a football club, the most important thing for me is morale. It's like, like a public service sector. If you're in the MOD, then you need, you need morale amongst the troops, uh, first and foremost. So it, it is, it's a slog. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So you need to understand the cultural fit and what culture are we trying to create. So forget that he's the best player. If it's, you know, like when West Ham moved Arnasovic on, it's like if he's an arsehole, we don't want him in the dressing room, mm. do we? So forget his ability. Unless you feel that he's got something that's totally outstanding and we're going to have to tolerate and manage that, which is very much the maverick style of he can do something that the rest of us can't, fellas. But that, that, that's all down to your instinct, though. If you're talking about character, that's down to... You can't measure what he's like as a personality. Well, or, or, yeah, or, I, again, he's just coming back to no, asking No, but that's where... The, like. Actually, the scout is, is valuable because I think that the scout you know, will be at matches. They pick things up on a grapevine. They hear stories. You know, and I think that what you... Like, as an, as an example, you use a Polish example... That scout on the ground, I went to watch a Polish winger and we'd been, it, was a, it was an end-stage assessment actually for, you know, for the club. And we'd been told that the Polish winger you know, wanted to come to the club, heard of the club, yeah. heard of the region, yeah. uh, passionate about coming, could, you know, fluent in English, so I insisted on meeting him. And the reality was that you know, he couldn't speak a word, never heard of us. Uh, and his girlfriend was pregnant and she couldn't speak English either. So you've got to sign people by people first, surely. That's how you appoint people into what your listeners will be working in the real world, is will they fit in? Will, and most importantly, will they be happy? Because if they're happy, they'll play better. I have to admit, Kieran, the reason Poland was in my mind, because we were talking about it in the pub ten minutes ago. <laughs> but it's, I'm intrigued that you say, I insisted on meeting him, as though that's unusual. Uh, well, yeah, it can be. Absolutely. Players can be signed without even being, being greeted and, and signed off video. Just just off video. Like the clips, he looks a good player. Do you know what? He's right price point. We'll take a punt and we'll take a gamble on it. And, and actually, and I'm sure Kieran would agree this, the majority of player recruitment's mismatched. You know, a lot of players come in and it just doesn't work. And particularly at premiership clubs, they can get lost in the building because mm. they've got big squads you know, it's a foreign name, so it's sexy. But the reality is, is who's holding these scouts accountable? Because or, or the recruitment departments? Because the reality is, is it's on Hodgson's shift. You know, that's the that's the reality. Is if you know, if if 
the Crystal Palace or Brighton Scout and Recruitment Department are putting that player in, Graham Potter's got to suffer, suffer the legacy because it's the fans that are booing and calling for his end. He, he's saying, well, hang on a minute, bring them in. And you've, you've, I've got to play him. And that, that has happened. I've seen that happen. So, Kieran, it, it, if we're talking about the scout, you've, you've got four levels and abilities, the bottom one. For, for some clubs, is economics the only criteria in terms of... Are they going to look at a player and go, fine, he's between five and seven million pounds, we'll take him, and we can afford that risk? They, they, they will, because ultimately they're driven by, by the finance director, and then they're driven by FFP. So, so that, that's going to be a factor. And then, from a fan's point of view, the first thing that all the fans will do is they'll go onto YouTube and look at his YouTube clips, and, and they will form an opinion. And on the back of that, he becomes a good or a bad player. And then six, six, six weeks later, we've signed some turkeys at Brighton, but they came in on £15 million fees. Mm. And on, on the back of that, they actually get far longer to prove themselves to be turkeys. Whereas if you've got a young player coming through, who you know, we've signed him from Ilkeston Town for, for £20,000, stick him in the first, first team... If, if he doesn't impress the, the fans within 10 minutes, then he's out on his ear. So, so, it, so I, think, I think that the fee does give people time because it, that fee has to be justified. Whereas if it's, if, it's a, if it's a youth team player or if it's coming from non-league or a lower league, then, then you say, oh, well, it was just an experiment. We can get rid of him quickly. When we talked about EPPP, in passing, you mentioned the effect that would have on young players and scouting. Would that economically affect a smaller club and a scouting system. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, you do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly and I'm always jumping from project to project. So therefore, Notion helps me from summarising meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, yeah, from, from, from a small club's point of view, what's, what's the point of, of, of scouting young kids if you're going to get £3,000 for a really promising 9 or 10-year-old? And following um, the, the show where we talked about EPP, PB, um, Nic- Nicola, Nicola Palios, who is, uh, who, who's at, 
who's at Tranmere, uh, and her husband Mark is is effectively the owner of Tranmere. She 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 said on LinkedIn, "We agree entirely. It's it's been an absolute disaster for lower league clubs because." What, what's what's the benefit to us if, if we if we get a good player? Then potentially we're going to lose them at sixteen for for peanuts. We don't even get the opportunity to to put them into the first team because the larger clubs will have spotted spotted them and and they can just hoover them up for for minimal cost. Darren, we do have other um, stories to talk about, and I hope you'll stay while we do that. But yeah, just yeah. just one final question: in, in twenty years' time, will clubs still have human being scouts? That's a really good question. Uh, I, I think that the provision will certainly be reduced. We, we're moving fast with with AI, digital tech, apps, mobiles. Uh, you know, to much of the frustration of myself and my own children. So, I, I, and I think that that breadth of information is, is is getting broader, and 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 also the level of pressure for immediate decisions is is, is coming through. Um, so, but but then you you know you go, we well, still have live fans. Well, so yeah, you know, yeah, so, so ultimately, yeah. I think that I would like to think so, but certainly in opposition assessment now, we're seeing much, much less in terms of life scouting, and in time with even even some of the stuff where we were in talks with the European Space Agency around player tracking at this moment in time. So what you know, you're looking at really, you know, yeah. So so <laughs> what, Kevin's eyebrows have just gone up yet again. So um, so because what we want is you want that that level of accuracy with the information that we've got. We've got to be disruptive as a business. We've got to provide a service that the clubs haven't got, and we've got to provide it at a price point that makes it an absolute no-brainer for them to do it. But, um, I, but I think that back to Kieran's point for the youngster to get through, you've got to start somewhere, and, and ultimately, I think that I've got this altruistic drive, really, that you know, if a Sunday league team gets it right, you know, don't play, don't tra- you don't train, don't play, try that in the Premiership. We're all in it together. Go for a beer afterwards. Take your headphones off and let's have a chat and have a sing song on the bus. And the kids have to start somewhere, and there is no data that's measuring the under nines and under tens. And actually, you know, get lost in the love of the game, and 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 hopefully your talents then recognised in doing that. So ultimately, you may see the scouts spending time at a much much younger provision, but our coverage is certainly getting much much greater on a global global pursuit. And and the clubs generally don't care about the national game; they're mm. in it to win. They're in mm. it to win, and they're in it to survive. <laughs> really pleased to hear somebody on this show use the phrase love of the game because sometimes Kieran we we're talking about such difficult subjects you forget there are those of us who love the game and, and Darren's been brilliant which has left us with not as much time as I'd hoped for the smallest not smaller stories but the other stories but yeah. um, not brilliant news for either Macclesfield fans or, or Bolton fans Bolton fans probably thought they'd had a calmer time of it lately but it's all kicked off again isn't it yeah, there's issues. We've had the latest uh, administrator's report, mm. um, and that was pretty damning um, in, in respect of the old regime, that, uh, that somebody got a £236,000 payoff uh, when, when Bolton was sold. And, and the trouble is the administrators are charging £350 an hour for the privilege of, of running the club over the summer. So, so Bolton are, are ticking an, along. An hour? £350 an hour? Yep. So for 24 hours, or they're just there eight hours a day? That's just there eight hours a day. Oh, but, okay, but, fine. But oh, right. not Liverpool Union. Oh, just... <laughs> okay. So, so in, in, in respect to Bolton, yeah, it, it hasn't, hasn't looked good, and that's put the pressure on. I mean, the, 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 the only good news in respect to Bolton was that their, their, next, uh, their next points deduction has effectively been suspended for 18 months um, in, in respect of the, the fixture which they, they unilaterally postponed before the new owners came in. Yeah, because there was talk that the EFL were going to impose that extra five point. So why have they decided not to? I, I think they feel that 
Bolton have been sufficiently punished, uh, and what they are doing with the with the suspension is that they're saying to the new owners, "You're on probation, and um, you know, you've you've now got to to justify um, your position as as uh, as custodians of the club, um, and you, and you, and we want uh, this will give us some form of certainty that you're going to run it properly, and if you're not, you're going to get a further points deduction. And actually, this could actually hurt Bolton to a greater extent because the points deduction that they have already is effectively made them relegated to League Two. Mm-hmm. If this kicks in in League Two next season, that's actually going to be worse for, for them than having an additional points deduction this year. It was interesting. Uh, sort of Bolton chief executive say that. Not only did she not blame other clubs for trying to persuade the AFL to impose the extra five point deduction, that she would have done the same thing if it was another club was in was in trouble because she said it's a dog eat dog world, which is quite philosophical but also quite disappointing, isn't it? It's exactly the same that we the story that we saw in respect to Berry. Uh, there's a self interest element that if now there's only one club being relegated to the national league, well, if I'm in the bottom six, come Easter. Then, then I've got a one, one in six chance of going down instead of, of a one in three chance going down. So you, so you do the maths. And, and there is such a big difference between the National League and League Two because you lose the, the Premier League uh, solidarity payments, which are worth about 800 grand a year. Oh, as much as that? Yeah. That's interesting. And what's the latest on Macclesfield? Because it doesn't sound brilliant, does it? Well, Macclesfield's match was uh, was effectively unilaterally postponed at the weekend because the, the players, yet again, haven't been paid. You've got a club owner that appears to only contact people at Macclesfield via WhatsApp. He doesn't put in an appearance himself. Um, he has also spoken earlier this week with regards to, yes, I'm, I'm in talk with interested parties. But we hear that so often in respect of so many clubs. Um, you, you never know whether he's, whether he's just trying to fob, fob off people or, or whether there's a genuine interest, Macclesfield loses money every year, like like all clubs in, in the lower league. So, what's the attractiveness to, to somebody coming in? Uh, you know, I, I I live fairly close to Mac, um, you know, and, and I've been been there as, as both watched in the home and the away end. Um, it's it's a great great thing from a fan's point of view, but there's no money to be made in it. So mm. so why would you invest? Now, uh, I was going to say abroad because it is abroad technically. It's a different country. Uh, I've got approximately 300-plus cousins, first cousins, various relations in Ireland, all of whom love football. But the, the the very top of the Irish game is having problems. The FA of Ireland, they've had the auditors in, basically, haven't they? That's, the report hasn't been particularly lucky for the Irish, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the the chief executive of the FAI, he's he, he left, uh, was, was encouraged to leave. I think his name's John Delaney. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this was being live-streamed. The auditor's, the auditor's report was effectively being live-streamed um, on RTE. On the R- this, this is such a big issue. Um, you know, clearly with, with a name like mine, uh, you know, I've, I'm, you know, my mum's in Mayo, my, my sister's in Dublin, and my dad's farm's in Tipperary. So, um, uh, it, it's, I'm from Donegal. I was 25 before I was made aware of the existence of other counties in Ireland. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> about right. Um, the FAI is broke, um, it, 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 and the, what the auditors said is that we don't know how much money you've lost because you've not actually kept any records. It's, it's the equivalent of writing things down on the back of a fag packet and then dropping it in a waste paper bin. So nobody knows just how much the FAI have lost. But um, the, the banks are now saying, "Well, we've lent you money." Um, 
on the basis that we thought that you could repay us. So they're, they're having second thoughts. The sponsors are all having second thoughts. There was a story which came out a couple of months ago that the Irish under-21s, I think they were playing they're playing in, in Eastern Europe at the time, um, and they had to take four, four different flights via Ryanair because they couldn't afford to charter a flight themselves. Mm. Um, and, and then at the top of the game... You've got the manager and the, and the assistant lo- leaving um, last year with a with a one point seven million pound payoff, uh, one point seven million payoff, which is effectively one point seven million pounds these days. Um, but it, it's it's pretty horrendous. There's a lack of governance. There's a lack of accountability. As usual, it's the suits looking after the suits and, and the players and and the under twenty ones are being treated very poorly. And are, are there possible sanctions then against the Irish national team? I mean, if if they fail to meet certain legislative requirements, well, if, if they fail to fulfil a fixture, or if they fail to um, give the the appropriate money to to away teams when they come and, and things of that nature, then there could be UEFA led sanctions. It does look as if the uh, the, the FAI potentially could be just just broken up and, and a replacement body brought in. So I took I took a look at the accounts and I took a look at the small print and they had about thirty or forty directors or the equivalents, which which is similar to the way that the, the FA runs here. You you've got somebody who's who's from the Dorset FA and you've got there from all the counties, all the individual areas. Why are these people not holding the the board to account? Mm. It just appears to be an old boys network um and it, it's embarrassing what's happened there. Um, the 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 first team will survive, but yeah, some somebody's now have to go and buy the cones because because the FAI can't afford to buy them themselves, and that and that's pretty embarrassing. Darren, do do countries have a scouting system? I mean, would, would somebody yeah. like Ireland have people like you looking out for the, the classic cliche of somebody with an Irish grandfather who's playing yeah. for a league? Yeah, it does happen. Yeah, um, certainly within the English FA, they've got like a talent ID department and they will be looking at age group football and obviously identifying where's the best under 14 under 15s um you know the administrative departments could like you just described can be looking at heritage and and that tracking and then our proposition would be you know certainly for a senior point of view you need to monitor form who's on form uh you know so it's quite easy if you're for england you got match of the day and premiership and, and mm-hmm. following and that side of things but for some of the smaller nations, the countries like because we've just been in Scandinavia, they're, they're exporting countries, so their senior players are actually playing abroad in, in a number of countries. So therefore, you need to track and follow your, your your players that way. But then you need to obviously then going back to the human factors when they come in. It's about galvanisation. It's about a spirit and a morale. And like when we saw when Denmark won the Euros in the the eighties, that can be much much more you know as a driver over the actual indiv- part, you know some of its mm. individual parts. Now, Kit, the big football news last week, obviously, was Amazon. Uh, the coverage was well received, but even the BBC said it was it was very well broadcast. And my favourite fact being, they offer you, you can either listen to the match commentary or turn it off and have match Atmos. Yes. But for the Arsenal Brighton game, there was a p- caption saying match Atmos not available, which obviously obviously which is probably maybe somebody at Amazon's own joke. Uh, it, but in terms of finance, I know you've told me in the past that Amazon are very, very cagey about revealing numbers. I hear their numbers were better than expected, but do we know what the take-up was for the subscription service? Oh, no, I mean, Amazon gives away absolutely nothing. They, they, and also, the, uh, the the Premier League wouldn't even give away officially the fee that's been paid. But what, what I'm hearing is, is, is it's £30 million a year for three years. Um, Why would they not reveal the fee then? What's... 
Amazon, that they just have a lockdown when it comes to all numbers. I mean, it's it's estimated that Amazon have 9 million Prime customers in the UK and and Netflix of 15 million. Now, from Amazon's point of view, it was it was the perfect opportunity to get people into the ecosystem and sign and because you've got the two sets of fixtures you've got last week's which was spread over three nights mm. and, and it worked well um yeah there, there, there were some grumbles about lag but i i get now tv rather than sky because it's i get a now tv season ticket and i, I can't be bothered with all the, the rest of the nonsense on sky uh, and, there, and there's lag on that so the, i think the criticism which was coming in and lag happened to be from certain newspapers who owners might have been connected to a certain uh-huh. tv channel uh-huh. indirectly or, or directly um but the, the 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 Premier League seemed very very happy with anecdotally with the viewing figures, which are higher than those of Sky. Because surprise, surprise, if you get something for free, people will watch it. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how many people will actually then sign up at the end of the thirty days, because they'll have the ninth and the tenth of December fixtures, and then they'll have had the fixtures for Boxing Day and, and the couple of days after. What what you will find is that if you have signed up for the thirty day free trial, Amazon will be carpet bombing you um, during that period with you know here's is is a fantastic deal um, you know if, if you want to see this again uh, and I think they they've been pl- the, the the anecdotal evidence is that the uh, the viewing figures are are good um, and they're pleased with them um, and they they had one or two teething problems which they'll which they, where they reckon they can work out in due course. Well, to the because Palace Bournemouth was the first game, and it was to the credit of the director that they managed for five minutes to cut away from the banner at the Homesdale end, saying Amazon of the Premier League selling kickoff times to the highest bidder. But they they factor in the fact that quite a few people will forget to unsubscribe, don't they? Isn't it part of their financial model? Oh yeah, and it, and it works every time. I mean, any subscription model is is based on until you go and check your bank balance and you see I've I've just gone and spent another you know seventy nine ninety nine on an annual subscription, and once you once you tuck it tied into that, that's the end of it. Can I just throw in? As I say, I've been in Norway. The the, the incredible global reach of the Premier League. So the, yeah, the fans are a little bit knocked. It's a late kickoff, but if it suits a, a different market sector, we 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 did a Q and A at a, a public venue, and, and and on the two floors, the Premiership was shown live. It was standing room only. Really? It was nuts, and, and you know I think Kieran mentioned is it about eight hundred quid spend of a Norwegian in Liverpool alone, a thousand pounds. So actually, the clubs, the particularly the Premiership clubs and you know, breakaway type leagues, is that you know they're looking at the global value of of, of football now. And they'll put it on at a time to suit the, the global market, which comes at the cost and the expense of the local the local fan. Well, that ties in almost uncannily, and I promise you this wasn't organised, but one of the questions we had is from uh, Rose, and I apologise if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Um, he's a Tramia fan. He, he actually asked, asked about the, the, whether you could put a figure on what we were talking about earlier, the, on football tourism. So he, he said they've got a, a big Norwegian and Dutch fan base. So how much... Would the club be benefiting? Because you, you'd imagine it's, it's not that much, is it, for a club that's tramway size? The, the club, the clubs themselves, don't benefit significantly. The the local economy does, and I think what Mark Palios has done very well is that he is selling um, Tranmere as part of Merseyside, and he, and he's selling it on the back of Liverpool, the Beatles, uh, and okay. come and see Tranmere as well. Um, and they, they, then the Tranmere have been really smart because they've just had foreign investors from Indonesia buy a 15% part of, you know, stake in the club on the back of that as a marketing tool. 
Well, one final question, and again, it's 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 about global sport essentially. Uh, Johan has asked. We talked at length about the Americans investing in Man City. He said, "Is that an indication that football in the US is also seriously on the up as well? That the, the MLS will be getting bigger." And also he talked about at the moment something about 80% of the MLS income is through turnstiles and that will change presumably. That's right. The the MLS TV deal is worth around about 90 million. Now, if you think about that, that, that 90 million is what, uh, what Amazon have paid for, for three years yeah. um, here in the UK to, to get Premier League rights, which, which have got global appeal. Um, the reason why uh, Silver Lake paid so much money for Manchester City is that they see a rise in the value of TV rights for the MLS, for the Chinese Super League and for the Indian um, Super League as well. And it's they don't see necessarily a huge amount of growth in, in Premier League revenues because we've reached saturation point. Um, the, you know, the, present, the present deal is going down by 10% domestically, but that there's still uh, overseas appeal. Um, and and they, they believe that New York City could become the preeminent MLS club. And on the back of that, if you start to just notch up those, those uh, broadcasting rights, they won't reach the same levels as the NFL um, or the NBA, but that, that there is certainly opportunity for growth there. And I think it's a feather in our cap that literally the day after we spoke about the Indian Football League market, Man City brought into a team out there, didn't they? That's right. Uh, I think Mystic Mag is my uh, my new name. <laughs> That's right. um, uh, listen, thank you for listening, everybody. We uh, we have run out of time because Darren, in particular, was so fascinating. Uh, the Price of Football is a Dap Dip production. We recorded here at the Comedy Store in Soho, in central London, my spiritual home. And I've been asked to say this, and I say it reluctantly because I'm not a natural salesman. But if you could leave us a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to our app on, that would help some kind of algorithm thing and could even lead us eventually to get in some sort of fee or a travel card who knows so thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week the price of football. I'm for the